from that to where we need to go. Well, the Lord was showing me is this, and, and, it's, and He shook me with this. He said, he said I did too much, and it's, not, and it's not being appropriated. I've done too much for it not to be appropriated. So He gave me this to talk about tonight. So we're going to talk about uh, a divine shift from curses to blessings. Jesus has done too much. Now I want you to get into your motorsport mindset and get in there and grab hold of the shift. We're going to shift some gears and we're going to move from the curses to the blessings. Because I'm telling you, we, we celebrate an empty cross, we celebrate an empty grave, and we ce celebrate a seat at the right hand of the Father that's occupied and has authority and power. We celebrate all of that, but if we don't appropriate it, it is all just religious jargon to us. It's just talk. It's just talk. Jesus Christ, He said, I did too much for you not to appreciate and appropriate it. You've got to take hold of it. That when we talk about the cross, there's a reason He went to the cross. That was, that was, that was, that was horrible. What He had to go through was horrible. But He was willing to do it so He could get us from the curses to the blessings. He was willing to go in that tomb and be buried. He was willing to die because He wanted to get us shifted from the curses to the blessings. Now, if we're post-resurrection and we've sung our songs and we've got our Easter lilies and, and we've done all, our, all of our uh, Easter annuities and everything and now we're just going along saying, you know, living in, in sense uh, kind of a powerless state, let me tell you what, we've missed the point. We've missed the point. We have got to shift gears here. 1 Timothy 4 and 1 is where I want to start here. Lord, I just pray for supernatural wisdom for me and for everyone listening. And I pray for supernatural guidance of every word that I speak. I pray, Lord God, that by the power of your Spirit and the presence of your Spirit, Lord, you would remove any scales off of our eyes, anything out of our ears, anything that would hinder us, any distractions, that in the next few moments, Lord God, we would hear your heart and that revelation, revelation would come into our lives that we can meditate upon it and begin our proclamation for and declaration for the fulfillment of that in and through our lives. Thank you for this, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he said this. He said, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. I believe we're in the latter times, the church ages. We're bringing this thing in. I'm telling you, it's been 2,000 years. Let me tell you what, I believe we're in the latter times, whether it's another 100, 200, 300 seconds or hours or years, we're in the latter times of the church age. I can tell you that from the signs of the time that we see all around us that have been given us in description through the Word. But he said this is what would happen. The Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So giving heed to means these things are talking to you. These things are putting on their salesman's cap. These things, these demons, these deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons are on the selling mode. And they're trying to knock on your door and come in through your television and come in through your circumstances and come in through your friends' discouragement and despondency. Anything that they can come in through and they're trying to get you to depart from the faith. They don't want you to be a people of faith. They don't want you to do what pleases the Lord. Because the Bible says we can't please the Lord. Without faith it's impossible to please the Lord. So our whole life has been set up and given to us by the, all that Jesus has provided through His redemption and it is appropriated or it is taken hold of or possession of by faith. We appropriate our salvation by faith. We appropriate our healing by faith. We appropriate our de deliverance by faith. We, uh, 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 we appropriate everything Jesus provided through the, redemption, uh, through the atonement by faith. So the enemy, here he tells us, is focusing on trying to get us to depart from our faith, to rename our faith, to redefine our faith to uh, lessen the impact of our faith, to say it's faith but not really have faith, to, to be uh, uh, somewhat in name only. The enemy is trying to get us out of faith. And Jesus said the Spirit is expressly trying to keep us in faith. 
I'm here tonight to preach the Word of God so that our faith can rise up and we can take hold of what God has for us where faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And I believe the main reason demons want to deceive you and not only to deceive you, but to re-educate you is so that you and I will not take the Word of God literally. That we will not, by faith, take hold of what Jesus has provided, making His sacrifice basically in vain. The enemy's fighting. That's what he's fighting more than anything else. He is wanting to do that. They want to deceive you. And in deceiving you, they want to indoctrinate you with a false message because they know that the, one of the most important provisions that was made through us, made for us through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, will be zero. It will be of none effect if we don't operate by faith. It's stated very clearly by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 3.13. You know this scripture, 13 and 14. We go to it a thousand times because it is that important that Christ has redeemed us. This is past tense. This is a done deal. Now the devil's trying to steal your faith from this fact. He does not want you to appropriate this redemption. He doesn't want you to appropriate, take hold of, take possession of what Christ has provided for you. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He redeemed us from the curse. Deuteronomy 21, 23 says, If a man hangs on a pole, take he can't stay overnight because cursed is he who hangs on a tree. That is exactly what Paul made reference to going back to Deuteronomy and that legal loophole that got the curse on Jesus without Jesus having to sin. Jesus didn't have to sin to get our curse on him. But he was willing to be hung on a cross. They tried to stone him. They failed. They tried to throw Jesus off of a cliff. They failed. They tried to beat him to death at the whipping post. They failed. They tried to beat him to death with their fists, but they failed. He says, I have the power to lay my life down, and with the power I have to lay my life down, I can take it up again. And I'm going to lay my life down on a cross because if I die being stoned to death, their curse won't come on me. And if I die being pushed off of the cliff, their curse, your curse, won't come on Jesus. And he says, they'll have nothing to have faith in to appropriate. He says, so you can try to beat me to death. You might beat my body down to where I can't even carry the cross all the way to Calvary, but I'll provide somebody to carry it there because I'm going to hang on that tree because when I hang on that tree, their curse is going to come on me. The curse that the enemy had a right to keep on you no longer has that right anymore because Jesus righted the wrong and now made it right for you and me, you and me to live a curse-free life. So I want to give you some practical biblical instructions on how to move from the curses to the blessings. Now let's first define a curse. I've shared this with you before, but let me tell you what, the devil don't stop in this area. So maybe one time, two times hearing it is not enough. We need to keep hearing it because the devil keeps doing it. Here's what a curse is defined. Something like a dark shadow or an evil hand that seems to be stretched out over you reaching out from the past and it presses down and it tries to hold you back. It tries to trip you up and it tries to propel you in a direction you don't want to go. That's an active curse at work in your life. It's that heavy hand that could be stretched out from generations past and you don't even know where it came from. You don't know where its source is, but it's just like it's on you. It's a dark shadow. It's holding you back. It's tripping you up. It's pushing you in the wrong direction and trying to keep you from going in the right direction. And let me tell you what, that's a curse. There's some indications we find through the Scriptures that shows us there's a curse at work in our life. Let's see if that's working in us and let's identify it tonight and then let us go to an empty cross and an empty grave so that we can see the fullness of the Godhead and His authority and His power and His redemption and His atonement so that we can shift from the curse to the blessing. Here's some indications that there may be a curse at work over in your life. Is there emotional or mental breakdowns? Let me tell you, if that's something you struggle with, mental or emotional breakdowns, the devil's got his hand on you. The devil's tripping you. The devil's trying to uh, come against you emotionally, come against you and mentally and really destroy your life. 
Another indication is repeated or chronic sickness. It's like you get sick with this, and then when you get better from that, there's something else that comes. And when you get better with that, something else comes. Or it repeats. It just keeps coming back over and over. My, I live with that so much of my life. I had this right here, repeated chronic sickness. And I'm not going to go into the details, but it was from my feet to my stomach to my mouth. And it, it spread out of my mouth into my ear and up into almost the edge of my eye. And I dealt with strep throat, a chronic strep throat. I dealt with things in my gut that was so unexplainable. They wanted to do exploratory surgery. I did things with my feet that were so painful. I begged them to, to, to amputate and cut them off. I could not live with the pain. Let me tell you what. When I realized that this was, this was a curse... This was a sign of a curse. I said, you know what? I got to get, get focused on where the warfare really is. We can try and put Band-Aids on this, and we can try to take pain meds, and we can try to put, uh, keep taking antibiotics and penicillin and all, but let me tell you what. What I need to do is get to the root of it. It's a curse, and I need to get this taken care of. If Jesus took care of this on Calvary, I've got to learn how to appropriate and take hold of what He has already done. If He redeemed me from the curse and so that the blessing could come on me, then by golly, I'm not going to give up until the curse is gone and the blessing is on. Do you hear what I'm saying? And you gotta get you gotta get bulldog tenacity in this. You gotta get sold out on this. This is more important than a TV show. This is more important than walking in a park. This is more important than going out to dinner. This has to become your life bread. That I am in a war. And when I'm in a war, it ain't time for R and R. It's time to put on the armor of God and fight. It's time to get the curse off. If Jesus has provided, I gotta learn how by faith. The devil's trying to fight my faith. I don't have to earn this uh, or, or come up smart enough to take this curse off. Jesus is taking the curse. What I have to do is by faith appropriate that. Now, now that's the struggle, right? That's the struggle. So that's what we want to learn how to do. And uh, so this is another one. Uh, uh, repeated miscarriages or related female problems and reproductive problems in the man and the man and the woman because God said, be, you know, fill the earth, be plentiful, multiply and fill the earth. The devil said, if God said it, I'm coming against it. If God said children are a blessing, I'm going to try and kill the children. And if I can't kill them through uh, bringing a curse on the womb or bringing a curse on reproductive organs, then I'm going to try and kill them in the womb. While they're, where the mothers are trying to carry them, I'm going I'm to have government support and sponsor and I'm going to have millions and billions of dollars given so that the innocent little babies could be slaughtered and mutilated and killed in their mother's womb because that's just part of the curse that's how the devil works it's part of the curse Another one is the breakdown of marriage and family alienation where it's just generation after generation. It's like our family line is, is not just a tree. It looks like, it looks like uh, weeds across a whole field because we split and break and split and break and split and break and this one did and that one's my uncle or I think they're my uncle but they're my aunt and they're my uncle. How in the world they broke my brother as well? I don't understand it because my family is jank, okay? Because you know what? The devil doesn't like the family. Because the family is a covenant representation of God and His relationship with us. And if He says that we are the bride of Christ and, and, and Christ is the bridegroom and that's a covenant representation and a type, uh, then the devil's going to fight it. you got to know that. So that's where you'll see the curse being manifest. Uh, not only that, but continuing financial in, in, uh, uh, insufficiency, especially when the income seems to be sufficient. You just can't make it. You're always broke. You're always in loss. You're always... It's like you take three steps forward and you get kicked a whole mile back. It's not just four steps back, but you just get ahead and then bam, you're thrown back again. And then you try to catch up and catch up and bam. Let me tell you what. Don't get frustrated with the cycle. Get frustrated with it as a curse and start fighting the curse. Don't say this is a part of my life. This is how my, all my family is. I remember I used to think, oh, my family's in debt. They've always poor mouth. We were the brokest people. I mean, we we're so broke. Uh, we we're broker than the, bro you know, the Ten Commandments. You know, we we're pretty bad off there. Uh, so we and, and we kind of, in a sense, that was our identity. We told everybody we can't afford it. They said, "Well, you know, you should play football. We can't afford it. Uh, you should go to this camp. We can't afford it. We didn't even know how much it cost. We didn't even know we had a sponsor to go, but we just said we couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford it. Let me tell you what. That's a sign of the curse. God said, "I want you to be blessed. I want it to 
be an overflow. He said, I want you to not only be so blessed that you can leave an inheritance for your children and your children's children, but I want there to be extra overflow that you can help meet the needs of those that are less fortunate, that you can be a blessing to others. Let me tell you why. That's a great way to live. Some people say, I'll never be there. Well, I've seen those people, when they made $10,000, they couldn't make it. When they moved up to $30,000 a year, they couldn't make it. When they moved up to $100,000 a year, they couldn't make it because the curse went with them. Let me tell you what, you can shift from the curse to the blessing and we're going to pray that this night and we're going to try to take care of every demon spirit and every dark shadow and every hand of the past that is trying to hold us down so that we can go forth free in the name of Jesus. Another one would be continuing uh, being accident prone. You know, how many bones have you broke? How many scars do you have? Well, you know, that's just, that's just my nature. I'm, I'm always accident prone. No, the devil's trying to kill you. The devil's trying to kill you. He tripped you up on that skateboard. He, he's the one caused that, that uh, person not to be paying attention to T-bone you. I mean, it's just like the devil's trying to kill you. You need to realize that he has put a bullseye on you and he has cursed you, but you don't have to live with that bullseye on you anymore. It's almost like a hitman where they take out, you know, a, a hit on someone and they're looking for that person and anywhere they can find, they're trying to take him out, trying to take him out. Well, you can blur the picture. You can actually remove the picture from the hitman, but by taking the curse and, and off and putting the blessing on there and maybe we can get the hitman even saved and full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Also, if they're in your family, a history of suicides or unnatural deaths, that's an indication of a curse. Anything that doesn't line up with the will of God and it just continues and it's like it's holding you, it's holding you and it won't let you get free. That's a curse. But let me tell you what, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't have to keep living like that. You shouldn't tolerate it. You shouldn't put up with it. You say, well, I prayed one time and it didn't go away. Well, then pray a thousand times. And if you pray a thousand times and it's still trying to reach out to you, pray 10,000 times. Don't you give up because according to the Word of God, and God is not a liar, we should not have the curse carry, we should not be carrying the curse anymore. Because we're redeemed from the curse, he said, so that the blessing might come on us. So what I like to do is I like to identify, devil, how'd you get in? How'd you get into my house? How did you get into my car? One time we went out and our vehicles had been uh, uh, ransacked and things that were stolen out of them. And we just, we saw it, just never locked our car. So guess what? We started locking the car. We started locking the car. We found out, how'd you get in? And we took care of that. Hadn't had any problems since. So here's 12 common causes of the curse. And we're just going to run through these real quick because we're not going to deal with them uh, in detail. It's just some, uh, I want you to just see and maybe identify, is, is this how the devil is getting in? Is this how the devil is keeping this curse on me? Because Proverbs 26 and 2 says, a curse without a cause cannot light. It kind of uses this analogy of a curse like a bird. And, the, and if there's no place for the bird to land or light, then it, it just moves on. That's what I want to be. I want to be so Holy Ghost and I want to be so much of the, uh, uh, the blessing on my life that the, the bird of curse comes and says, they know where to land here. There's nowhere to land here. I got to keep on flying. I got to keep on flying. We used to have a boat and we'd take it out in the deep water and some of those uh, birds, you know, the, they'd be out there and the uh, seagulls and they, I don't know if they got tired and they just wanted to land on our boat. Well, we know that what they carry with them is not very pleasant to smell or clean up. So we wouldn't let them land. So you got to go to land. You got to go to that bridge over there. You're not landing on our boat. And they keep trying and we keep pushing them off. And you know, we don't want to be cruel to you, but you're not going to land on this boat because we know what you deposit here. Well, that's the curse. When the curse lands, it likes the deposit. You got to keep uh, swatting that thing off and say, you got to go in the name of Jesus. You're not landing in my life. So let us look at some of the causes here that would give him a landing place. One of them is idolatry with false gods or the occult. And that's just common sense. If you're going to dabble in the occult and you say, well, I'm not dabbling in the occult. Well, you better be careful with the music you're listening to. You better be careful with the movies you're watching. Because let me tell you what, there's a lot of occult in the music. There's a lot of stuff dedicated to things that are not holy. And if that's part of your life, that may be an open gate of how you're letting curses come in to your life. Another one is dishonoring parents. Dishonoring parents. Ephesians 6 and 1 talks about how important it is for us to honor our parents. You say, well, I don't agree with my parents. We know most people don't agree with you. But we're not going to crucify you, you know. 
Somebody said to me the other day, actually, Pastor Radika, I was saying, she said something and I said something opposite. She said, I would agree with you, but we'd both be wrong. <laughs> and I said, now, where did you get that from? And she just laughed. She was like, I got that one. That was good. <laughs> Illicit or unnatural sex, and that is another one. There again, you may not be participating in it physically. You may be participating in it just visually. And let me tell you what, you open the door for these spirits. You open the door for curses. Uh, I'm telling you, why do you think there's such a stronghold in pornography? This demon back, it's not, it's, it's not just sensually back. It is demonic. It is demonic. And folks have to go trying to get freed up from the addiction of pornography like they have to get freed up from the addiction of heroin. And some said it was easier to get off of heroin than it was to get off pornography. Let me tell you what, you got to be careful because these, the, these curses like birds are looking for a way to land and, and deposit the curse on your life. And if you are dabbling and playing with, or, uh, with illicit sex and unnatural sex and things are outside the holiness of what God has set up in, in matrimony, let me tell you what, you're opening the door for curses to come in. Injustice to the weak or the helpless. Let me tell you what, Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 talks about when we do that, when we are, we are cruel or there's injustice to the weak or the helpless, how God says, I will take my hands off and let the devil whip you because it, God says it is such a disgrace to him when we don't take care of the weak and those that can't take care of themselves. And that would go to babes in the womb. That would go to this uh, trafficking, sex trafficking that takes place with children and, 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 and young adults. I'm telling you what. We need to be standing on God's side and not participating in anything. The devil's offering more stuff to open the door to bring curses today than ever before. And we're seeing the church more bound and more depressed and more and weaker today than ever before. I want the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be curse-free. I want us to walk in the blessing of God, walk in the authority of God, walk in the power of God, that wherever our shadow even falls, people are being healed. Hallelujah. That happened in the first century church, and let me tell you what, we should be getting bigger and better and stronger less than weaker, uh, rather than weaker as the years go by. Come on. So we gotta, we got to identify this. There's others where trusting in the arm of the flesh. Jeremiah 17, 5 and 6 says, Thus says the Lord. Here's what God says. Curse is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. You'll be like a shrub in the desert and shall, you shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land which is not inhabited. Your life will become a desert, he said, when you lean on the arm of the flesh that you can figure it out. Why do you think God said we should uh, pray our daily bread? Because He wants us to depend on Him daily. He doesn't want us to ever get to the way we say, well, we know how to run our business, or we know how to run our family, or we know how to run our lives, or we know how to handle our money, or we know how to handle our relationships. He wants us coming to Him daily. Just like when manna fell, every day, manna fell, they had to go pick up that manna. If they tried to get double, the next day what was uh, kept over would be decayed and rotted. They couldn't eat it because God wanted them to depend on Him daily except for the Sabbath. He made provision for that. Let me tell you what, He told us to pray that, that, he, that He would give us our daily bread. He wants us trusting Him daily. You say, well, I've been married 110 years. I know how to do marriage. Let me tell you what, don't lean on the arm of the flesh. Don't lean on. I've seen people that have been married 110 years get a divorce. Not really, but they seem like they've been married that long. <laughs> because the devil does it. He doesn't care. He, he doesn't care if you're old or young. He, doesn't, he just wants destruction. He just wants the curse in your life. Paul dealt with this in Galatians, in Galatians 3, where he says, Oh, foolish Galatians. He said, Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He said, oh, are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit and now you're being, trying to be made perfect by the flesh? Don't lean on the arm of the flesh. Don't depend on the flesh. It will fail you. God is a jealous God. And God wants us to trust and depend on Him. And when we take our trust off of Him daily... Let me tell you what, we open the window and we let these curse birds, if we want to call them that, come in and land. I remember in the old sanctuary, 
the old chapel we had had a hole up in the uh, little balcony that was up there that went out and a pipe, uh, air conditioning pipe used to run through it, copper tubing. When I first moved there, I took all that out. Well, that hole these birds found and I went in there one Sunday morning and I was turning everything on and getting it ready for service and there was all these birds, all these birds. And, uh, and I was like, oh my, and they had done things that wasn't very nice. And I'm like, oh my, my. And we got people coming here, and what am I going to do? Do you know the only way I could get those birds out? Because if you remember, the chapel had that, you know, it was a high ceiling, and uh, so, and they had the cross, which is behind here right now at our baptist, baptism, had that cross on one end, and then up at the balcony up there uh, on the other end there. So, what I had to do is chase those birds with a net, a fishing net, uh, from the cross to the balcony from the balcony, go up the stairs, to the, run them back to the cross until they got so tired that I was able to catch them. Now, can you imagine? There was probably about five or six of them. Can you imagine how tired I was? And then I had to preach, you know. But, um, so I found out I was at, that was an experience. I said, I'll never do this again. So we searched and searched and searched until I could find where they came in and we plugged that hole. And I said, never do I ever, ever want to have to do that ever, 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 ever again. And I tell you what, these demons that bring these curses into our life bring more havoc in our lives than these pharaohs or whatever those birds were, uh, starlings or whatever they were. Uh, and I'm telling you, make a bigger mess in our life. And, and, and cause us so much extra work. We need to find how they're getting in, plug the hole, and keep them out. So another way they get in is through stealing or perjury. Did you know that? Zechariah 5, 1 and 4. Zechariah has this vision of this flying scroll, scroll that has a curse on both sides. One side the curse is stealing, and on the other side of the scroll is a curse of perjury. And uh, that's those who swear falsely by God's name. So in this vision, he saw the scroll going into people's houses and taking up its place in their home. And as a result, the house disintegrated, it rotted, and it fell apart. Now, 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 this is what the curse does. And this was the vision he had coming, how the curse comes into our home through perjury and through lying. I mean, not through perjury, but the stealing and lying or perjury. So what we have to do is we say, that's a hole. When we don't tell the truth with our tongue, and especially when we swear by, falsely by God's name, and sometimes the way we use God's name, real cavalier anymore, could lean into that. we got to be careful how we carry the name of the Lord and what we say in the name of the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, and stealing. You say, well, I, I'm not stealing, but you know, you fudge here and you fudge there at work and you say you did this, but you really didn't do that. You know, you got to be careful. You say, but it's a little white lie. Well, let me tell you what. A little white lie is a big enough hole for curses to come through. I'm not going to argue with you how big a hole it is. I'm just saying it's big enough for curses to come through. You got to let your yes be yes, your no be no. You got to tell the truth and you got to tell the truth in love. Because these curses come in, and Zechariah saw the vision, and it went into people's homes and caused their homes to disintegrate and rot and fall apart. And I'm telling you, I'm sick and tired of seeing the devil destroy households, destroy families, and destroy our lives. He was defeated at Calvary, and we've got to appropriate that. We've got to take that. We've got to hold on to that. We've got to fight from the winner's corner rather than the defeated one, hoping that faith will deliver us. No, faith has already delivered us. We just got to learn how to use it in a more authoritative way. Amen? Amen. Another way he says that opens up the door is uh, being stingy with God. Being stingy with God. And Malachi is a prophet that definitely deals with how the curse comes on you with that. Malachi 1 and 14, he says, but cursed, that's what the word says, but cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. God, I'll give you that which is left over. I'll give you that which is insignificant. I'll give you that which you really don't want. If I'm going to give you anything, I'm going to took a vow, I'm going to do it right, but I'm not going to do it right. I'm going to just give you my leftovers here. I'm telling you what, he says a curse comes on you. 
When I see people put tips in the offering of God and they think, well, you know what, I'm just tipping God. I tip the waitress and I'm tipping God. It, it, my heart aches for them because I know what is happening. I know the, devil's, uh, the devil is excited because he's like, there's an open door. I can bring the curses in uh, legally. I can bring them in. But I'm here to say he should be trespassing. It should be illegal because we're standing on God's Word. And we are holding on to what Jesus has provided and He took the curse off of us. We shouldn't be carrying the curse. But that means we've got faith in what Jesus has done for us and we've got faith enough to believe and to obey Him at His Word. That's why He said in Malachi 3, 8 and 11, through 11, will a man rob God? God says, yet you have robbed me. But you say, and what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Look what God says. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So what brought the curse on them? It was being stingy with God and withholding the tithes and the offerings that was due to God. Let me tell you what. Some people say, well, we're New Testament. And that's all Old Testament. Let me tell you what. The curses is Old Testament. You go to Deuteronomy 28, and there's what, verses 1 through 14, all the blessings. 15 through 54 is all the curses. There's a whole lot of curses there. Those are the curses Jesus took upon him so that the blessings might come on us. But if we're not going to do it God's way, then we keep the door open for the devil. We want to say, I'm in the New Testament, but you're not living in the New Testament. Because if you're living in the New Testament, you would be going beyond the tithe. You'd be going beyond the minimum because your faith said, wait a minute, my God provides all my needs according to his riches and glory. Why in the world am I putting God on a budget and putting his advancement of his kingdom on a budget? Because I know that God has this principle of reciprocity. The more that I give, the more that's going to come back to me. That's not why I'm giving, but the, when I give, I can't help but there being a law that what goes out, he says, is going to be coming back to me for a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. He's, a, he's an amazingly miraculous God. And when you know that New Testament and you're walking in the favor and the blessing, blessings of God, then you're not living under a law of giving. You're living under the excitement and the celebration. Like Paul said, God loves a cheerful giver because a cheerful giver is a sign you know that you're in covenant with God. It's a better covenant than they had in the Old Testament. And you can't outgive God. And He is going to meet all of your needs according to His riches and glory. Hallelujah. So Malachi gives a remedy in the Old Testament in verses 10 through 11. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Praise God. That's the covenant we have with God. That's Old Testament covenant. It only gets better in the New Testament. So why should we deny ourselves the blessing of God? It's because we're depending on the arm of flesh. We're thinking our math is better than God's math. We're saying, God, we understand math better than you. Huh. When's the last time you could speak and create a galaxy? When's the last time you could speak and create the sun and it's never burnt out? in all of these years and it, what it's burning billions and billions and billions of tons of fuel every minute. We, we couldn't resource it with all the uh, uh, resources of the earth to carry it a day. And it's just doing it on its own because God told it to. That's the God that you're turning from when you lean on the arm of the flesh. And he says, when you lean on the arm of the flesh, he says, you, the devil has an opening that he can bring curses into your life. We saw that just a few minutes ago. So that's very important. Here's another way. Uh, words spoken by people with relational authority. Uh, Jacob is taking his family. If you remember, he's taking uh, Rachel and Leah and he's leaving Laban's house. And, uh, and then Rachel goes and takes an idol, some of the idols that Laban had worshipped. And uh, he, uh, Jacob didn't know it. And Laban catches up with them and says, you know, why have you taken my family? And, and, and you know, we could at least uh, had a going away party and all this. And you've taken my gods as well. Jacob said, no, we didn't. And he says, yes, you did. He, and he says, Jacob said, because he was in an authoritative position, his words carried power. And he says, whoever took it, if anybody in my household took it, let them die. Well, Rachel had taken it. She's pregnant with Benjamin, and when she gives birth to him, she dies. 
Let me tell you what, you got to be careful when you have the authority. You parents, you better be careful how you speak over your children. You better watch what you say. I'm telling you, if you're near me and I hear you say, you, you dumb butt. I heard somebody recently say that about their son. He's just a dumb butt. And I said, I don't think you realize what you just said, sir. I said, you're cursing your son. Well, he's doing dumb things. I said, I wonder which came, the, ho- the chicken or the egg. I wonder if you called him dumb before he started doing dumb. And he might have just be emulating what he's seeing. And you're mad at it because you see it in him, what's in you. I said, but you've got to be careful. You're releasing this. And he wanted to fight for about 30 seconds. And then I puffed up at him and he backed down. No, no, we didn't. <laughs> Praise God, we didn't have to go that far. Teachers, if you're a teacher, you better be careful what you say over students. I counsel 50 and 60 year olds who are still bound and still in pain and still with a broken heart because of something a coach or a teacher said over them. You'll never accomplish anything. You'll never get ahead. And the devil took that authoritative position with those authoritative words and rode them in with a curse into that person's life. And they accepted it. And they've lived with it all their lives. You'll never amount to anything. I know a man today, he's 53 years old, and he still works at the bottom tier of a factory. And, and every time I see him, I, he knows how the factory works better than the owners of the factory. He understands the uh, stuff that is just amazing. And I'm like, why don't you take promotion? Year after year, I encourage him and I encourage him. And he says, I, I, I can't. I can't. I can't operate at that level. I said, you know the stuff. I just can't do it. And come to find out when he was a little boy, his dad told him, you'll never amount to anything. And this is what he always tells me. He says, my dad said, he said, do you see that pile of dog feces out there? And he didn't call it that. He says, that means more to me than you. That's more valuable than you are. At least it's fertilizing the grass and it'll make a green spot. And here's a 53-year-old, going on 54 years old, still bound by that. That was a curse. I explained that to him. He's not even local here. I wish I could get him taught and freed up from that. He could own that company rather than still serving at an entry-level job. It's just it's sad to see, but authoritative words. I'm telling you, the devil will use that. You've got to be careful parents. You've got to be careful teachers. You've got to be careful spouses. And so like when we got married, I told Pastor Radika, I said, we'll never use the D word. In, never. I said, don't even let it come on your mind, your tongue. It's not going to be spoken in this house. We're not going to talk about donuts in this house. I mean, I mean <laughs> divorce in this house. We're not going to do that. And uh, because I said that we, we're probably going to have some spats going forward. Yeah, I told her that. I said, because, I mean, you're Romanian and you got a different culture and you're hard-headed and you're all this stuff. No, I didn't. I didn't tell her all that. <laughs> I was saying all that about me. I'm like, girl, you got your hands full. And, uh, but you got to be careful the words that you release. We as pastors, we have a, the Bible says better to have a millstone tied around our neck and cast into the sea than to lead anyone astray and be a stumbling block because we've been given such a, a position And we have to know that the Word of God and the Spirit of God can write on our words, but the enemy can write on our words with a curse as well if we're not careful what we say. And then there's another one, self-proclaimed curses. you got to be careful saying, man, I wish I was dead. Man, you'd be better off if you, you know, I was dead and you weren't even married to me or, you know, whatever these things come out. you got to be careful. I'm just so stupid. What am I just Stupid. I don't know if you've ever had the temptation to say that about yourself when you've done something probably stupid. You've got to be careful because the enemy can use your words. He can write on your words to bring a curse into your life. You need to declare, I shall not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. Don't declare I'm going to die. Declare I'm going to live. Amen. Uh, uh, most tragic was when Jesus stood before Pilate and Pilate wanted to release him because he found no fault in him. But the people said, in Matthew 27, 25, they said, crucify him. Crucify him. Let his blood be upon uh, us and our children. Man, they called a curse on themselves. And let me tell you what, we've seen the tragic working over the last 2,000 years. There's never been a, a people group in all of the history of the world that has come under the attack and the atrocities like the Jews have. 
I'm telling you, when you see that whole countries want to annihilate them and wipe them off of the face of the earth, where does that come from? It's a curse. Now, the good news is there's redemption from the curse in Jesus Christ, and every Jewish uh, person I get to know, and I can lead them to the Messiah and see that you don't have to live under this curse, but the blessing is for you as well if you'll receive the Messiah, Yeshua, and what He has done for you. And those who have, let me tell you what, are blessed. Oh, my, so very blessed. Praise God. Love our Jewish community, our Jewish family. I'm telling you what, that's where our history comes from. But they don't have to live under the curse. No, just like you don't have to live under the curse. There's another way they come in. Words pronounced by persons representing Satan. I'm talking about witch doctors and wizards and witches and sorcerers and mediums and clairvoyants and fortune tellers and false prophets. You see more and more of this popping up and becoming hip and cool and the neat thing to do anymore. Let me tell you what, it's straight from the pit of hell. There was, there was a church leader in another state that used to come to me for coaching and, 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 and church, plant, church planning and all. But I saw on Facebook they started posting the daily horoscope. And I didn't do it publicly. I did it privately. But I said, you know, do you not realize that? I said, maybe they don't know. And I gave them the scripture. They, they, they blocked me. They blocked me. That, the truth... Was not, and, and I gave them the scriptures of how the, the enemy, enemy uses this and how we're not to dabble in it, but they would rather cut off a friendship, cut off someone that helped them get their church going, cut off that, and, and to keep a daily horoscope. How about I get a daily verse from the scripture? Thank you, Jeff, for always putting them up there. Why not do that instead of get a word from the devil? I'm on now. Deuteronomy 18 and 10 said, Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or fortune-telling or sorcery or interprets uh, omens, engages in witchcraft or cast spells, or who is a medium or spiritualist uh, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And if you consult these, you expose yourself to satanic forces and believe you me, these are going to bring curses in. And then there's these soulish prayers and utterances and gossip spoken in wrong attitudes. Boy, does James have, a, James have a lot to say about that. He tells us if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts and do not boast about it or deny the truth, for such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, it is unspiritual, it is of the devil, is what he tells us. And Jeremiah said, Jeremiah 18 and 18, they said, come, let's make plans against Jeremiah for the teaching of the law by the priests will not be lost, nor will counsel from the wise, nor the words from the prophets. So come, let's attack him with our tongues and pay no attention to anything that he says. Man, you got to be careful how you're talking against your brothers and talking against your sisters. Satan's looking for that gossip. He's looking for that as an open hole like it was in the side of that chapel that we and those, and those uh, uh, clarks were coming in there or whatever those birds were. And they were ruining our place of worship. They'll come in and ruin your life. And then there's the unscriptural covenants. you got to be careful because that opens the door for the devil. Being united by covenant with people who are united with forces of evil and alien to God. The Bible says not to be unequally yoked. You've got to be careful who you partner with. You've got to be careful who you hang with. You've got to be careful who you fellowship with. You've got to be careful who you drop your guard with. Exodus 23 and 32 says, You shall make no covenant with them nor with their gods. You, you say, but I want to be a friend of the world so that I can evangelize the world. Let me tell you what, you make a covenant with them and you lower your standards to be like them and they, their demons will get in you before your Holy Spirit will get in them because the Holy Spirit is not forced upon anyone and you're not going to be evil enough to get an evil person to drop their guard to take the Holy Spirit because they're going to see the evil in you as a weakness and the spirits of hell are going to come into your life. I use the analogy of someone standing down here. It's easier for them to pull me off of the stage, even if I'm stronger than them, than it is for me to pull them up. So you've got to be careful in how you covenant yourself with the world. And, and, I, and I say all of this because it's so important that we get back to the basics and see in uh, Galatians 3 and 13 that the, the curse has been taken care of. The curse has been taken care of. The basis of all deliverance is the sacrifice, sacrificial atonement of Jesus Christ. 
And we've got to, we've got to, we've got to get that. We've got to believe that. We've got to, we've got to build on that. We've got to confess that. We've got to know that and not know it just in our head, but know it in our heart that, that Jesus has done everything that needs to be done to get the curse off of me. He redeemed me from the curse so that the blessing could come on me because cursed is he who hangs on the tree. He hung on the tree to take the curse off of me. There's no need for me to let a curse continue in my house, continue in my body, continue in my family. He redeemed me from that. We've got we've to meditate on that until we get it. We've got to meditate. I've been redeemed. He paid the price. It's a done deal. It's past tense. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be carrying this. I, I, and, 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 and you know, it's easy to come to the conclusion that I'm going to now uh, repent, I'm going to resist, and I'm going to renounce, and I'm going to go forward in the blessing that the Lord has. I've recognized what He did. I'm going to repent and renounce and, and resist it. Uh, uh, so that, that's easy to do, but if you don't plug the hole up, the birds are going to come right back in. I'd run those birds out and get them caught and throw it out. But the next morning, if I didn't plug the hole up, they'd be back in that church. And that's what I see sometimes our altar experience and our prayer experience is we run really hard and we chase the birds that way and the curses, we chase them this way. And we, we outlast the curse and the curse finally gets tired as we plead the blood of Jesus over it and we come against it in the name of Jesus and we rebuke it and all this stuff and we catch it and we go to the door and throw it out. And it just goes and rests overnight. And the next morning it comes right back in that little hole because we never plugged the hole. We've got to get it. We've got to meditate that Jesus has delivered me. Jesus has delivered me from the curse. But I need to take the action step to see if there's anything I'm doing or anything I'm not doing that's allowing this thing to come back in. If you guys would uh, advance it to that uh, screen that has the four R's with the big R on it, and I'm going to close with this. What we need to do is we need to recognize, ask God to help us recognize, is there a curse in my life? Is there anything the devil is stealing, killing, or robbing from me? And help me recognize how it's coming in. Holy Spirit, show me. It may have been something totally different because there's so many other ways the enemy can get in. And, and just help me recognize it, Lord. Recognize that this is not the lifestyle that I'm supposed to be living as a child of God. If that cross is empty and that tomb is empty and that seat by the Father's right hand is filled and the authority has been given to me, then there is no need, no reason at all I should be living with this curse. So I've got to recognize it. And help me, Lord, see where it's coming in. Then we've got to repent. That means we've got to change the way we think. We've got to do an about-face turn. We, gotta, we can't keep going the way we've been going. We can't keep talking the way we've been talking. We can't keep cheating God the way we've been cheating God. We can't keep, uh, uh, you know, uh, leaning on the arm of the flesh like we've been leaning on. We've got to repent. That means you've got to change your mind and change the way you're doing things. And how you do that is you drive a stake in the ground. And when you drive that stake in the ground, you say, I, I was going this way, but I drive the stake in the ground and I turn and I go back this way and that stake is in the ground that if I ever get turned around ever again and come back to that stake, I know that I better turn back around because I'm going the wrong way. Because there's a big tendency to go back to habitually what you were doing and how you were living your life before. But you've got to put a stake in the ground. So that is over. I'm not... I'm not living that way anymore. I'm not giving the devil access there anymore. And then you need to renounce. You need to renounce every tie you've ever had, every, anywhere the devil's ever used you, where you've ever been a participant in, of his, in any way, you renounce him. It's like you wash your hands with alcohol. I don't want a germ of you left on me anymore. I renounce you. I wash my hands of you. I am not going to live or let you live through me anymore. You're not going to get, uh, you're not going to rob God's glory by dragging me down anymore. I renounce you. I renounce any involvement I had with pornography. I renounce any involvement I had with lying. I renounce any involvement I've had with drunkenness. I renounce any involvement. Whatever it is, just renounce it. Say, no more. I'm not going to dabble in it. I'm not going to try to wean myself off it. I renounce it. And then you got to resist. Because the devil, please come back. Please, please. 
He ain't going to give up. He ain't going to give up. I bet those birds went looking for another hole. When they went to that one I plugged up, they said, you know what? I liked it in that little chapel. I liked it in there. Man, those pews were great for perching and the seats were great for catching my poop. I liked that place, you know, and because they really, they did a mess in there. And I bet they went looking. But I tell you what, if they had found another hole, I, my resistance was up. They were going out again and I was going to plug that hole. I am not giving the devil any more grounds in my life. Amen. There's so much more to be said about this, but our time is definitely out. But we've got to make a shift. When we see that empty cross, and we see that empty tomb, and we see the Holy Spirit who has filled our hearts and our lives, it's time for us to shift, a divine shift, from curses to blessings. We are the people of God. He said part of the blessing is you'll be blessed coming in, and you'll be blessed going out. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. He said, you will be above and not beneath. He said, you will, you will, whatever you put your hands to are going to be blessed. That's just the nature of the blessing. He died on the cross so that the curse would come off of us. All that Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 54, just read them. All that curses would come off of us on him so that those first 14 verses of blessings might would come on us. Meditate on that. And say, I'm not going to live beneath the privilege of what God has provided through His Son, Jesus Christ. Remember Sunday? We get the revelation. comes from God's Word. We meditate. The meditation. And we get it, not just in our head, but we get it in our gut. We get it in our heart. It's ours. Then that proclamation has power. And you will proclaim a path that you will walk in the glory of God. And you will be that prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven will manifest on earth in and through your family and through your life. It's God's plan. Let's not let what he did to give us that plan be in vain. Amen? Amen. Father, I just thank you tonight. For this opportunity to study your word, I thank you tonight, God, for your Holy Spirit. That as we leave here now, the seed of your word has been sown, but you're going to help us, Holy Spirit, to preserve it, to keep the enemy of the air from stealing it from us, that we might get it into the good soil of our heart, that it might produce a great, great blessing, 30, 60, 100 fold. Lord, I just pray for everybody under the sound of my voice now, God, that they would just take your word, they would take this revelation, and they would meditate on it. And Lord God, until it becomes a heart knowledge. And Lord, I pray they would rise up as men and women of God with faith and make it proclamation that would bring forth the, the fulfillment of it in their life. Bless each and every one, we pray, as we now go into this night in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you guys for coming. How about get up and love on somebody, bless somebody, hug somebody as we go into this night. God bless you all in Jesus' name. Amen.